get started. One is I just wanted to remind everybody um, we are partnering again with Grace Fellowship and I think another church and we're uh, um, April of 2020 we're, we're looking at another trip to Israel and I'd love it. It, it. You might you might feel like like you don't have the resources or it might not be on your radar. Let me just tell you it's an educational trip. It's a discipleship trip and it's a Holy Spirit encounter trip. And you get all three in one. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Relatively inexpensive, r- roughly around thirty five hundred dollars. And uh, so uh, we've got a sign up sheet out in the foyer. And if you're even interested, if you're even just saying, I'm praying about it, I, I'd like to, I'd like to just believe God that it's that this is my year. Um, would you put your name out there, and and then we can uh, be agreeing with you for that. Um, that may be the first step of faith. The, another step of faith might be go get your passport. That would be, you know. Just get that done, and then you, you can't go anywhere without that, right? So, um, so there, there we go. And uh, hey, um, I know the I, I, offerings passed, so 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 this this scripture isn't to get more money. This is just this is this is bonus. I um, I was reading in Deuteronomy 16 recently, and uh, and this is what it says in verse 10. It says, "You are to celebrate the festival of weeks." to the Lord your God with a free will offering that you give in proportion to how the Lord your God has blessed you. Now if you if you're if you're not familiar festival of weeks we're uh, that's that's what we're that's what we're in. We just finished up Festival of Weeks, and then Pentecost comes right after. It's, it's day 50. It's Festival of Weeks, 49 days, Pentecost, boom, day 50. And so it's all kind of part of that. And uh, Pentecost was actually where you would come and bring something to the Lord. In fact, this is what it says. It goes on in verse 16 of, Deut- of Deuteronomy 16. It says this, all your males are, now, uh, can we say males and females in, in here? Are you guys all right when I read scripture and it excludes some of you? All right, half of us. All, all your males and females are to appear three times a year before the Lord your God in the place he chooses and, and this is what he says. And these were pilgrimage feasts. Everybody would come to, to Jerusalem. Uh, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, the festival of shelters, no one is to appear before the Lord. Can we say this together? Empty-handed. Say empty-handed. We're all supposed to bring something. Everyone must appear with a gift suited to his means according to the blessing the Lord your God has given you. And I just wanted to share that. It may, uh, it may not be finances for you. It may be that you just need to once and for all say, I'm going to give myself to the Lord. Maybe, uh, maybe today is the day where you say, at this Pentecost Sunday, I, I am fully going to bring, I'm not going to come empty-handed, I'm going to bring myself to the Lord. Some of you, it is finances. Can I just say that the, one of the reasons why God talks about money so much in the Bible is because money can be an idol. He, he, says, he says, no one can serve how many masters? Two masters. You're, it, it, it doesn't work that way. You either serve one and despise the other or, or vice versa. And so um, one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that we're able to say, God, I trust you. God, I love you. Um, and, I, and I love you more than, than, uh, than my ability to gain wealth. I love you more than my ability, my strength to, uh, um, to provide for my home is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the first and the best. And so I just wanted to remind us of that. Um, again, offerings already passed, so you can't give any more today. Um, that's it. That's it. You're all right. Um, we're in a series called um, the aftermath, 
And the reason why we called it the aftermath, if you're, if you're a guest with us or if you haven't been here in a long time, is because we started it the, the week after Easter and we just thought this, what happened next? What happened after his death, burial, and resurrection? And the first week after Easter, we found out this. We found out that, that for 40 days, Jesus appeared to a, to a bunch of people, all of his disciples, all those that had claimed to, to know him and follow him, and he appeared to all of them to prove that he really did rise from the dead because Ishmael, guess what? Nobody believed that he rose from the dead. Not one person. Did you know that? Not one person believed, and so Jesus' first mission after he rose from the dead was to confront doubt and unbelief right in the face, punch it right in the face and get rid of it. He took him 40 days to do that. And, uh, and then we've been on a journey in Acts looking at what, what happened? What happened as a result of his death, burial, and resurrection? What went on? What was kind of the first response of the early church? Part of the reason why we're in a, in a circle instead of facing the stage is, is in this sermon series. I wanted us to understand that there was, there was one word that, that, that really marked that early church, and it was together. And, and, and we do this together. That we're, it's not just, in, in our American culture, we've, we've gotten so used to salvation being about me, about the individual. And it is about you. Someday you're going to stand before God and he's going he's gonna to say yes or no, heaven or hell, right? It's going to be about you at that point. But it's also about us. It's also about together. Like when, when people came out yesterday and together deep cleaned the, the, uh, the kitchen. Man, I didn't know there was, there was that much dirt. It took them a long time. Um, or or when, they, when, when they came out together and dug trenches to bury those, those pipes yesterday for the water runoff. Uh, that, those types of things, like when, when people come together, like was it last week, the Encountering God service, and prayed together, and, and you guys here in this room right now, together we're worshiping and praying and devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. And so today, um, if you're taking notes, the, um, the, title of, uh, the title of the message is pretty easy. It's uh, Raise the Dead. Raise the Dead. That's the challenge, all right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to raise the dead today. Um, I want to just right off the bat give honor to whom honors do. I, I listened to a message by a man named Francis Chan um, uh, oh, was it? I think it was this week, and a lot of what he said resonated, and it and it um, it influenced some of this message. Now, the main passage we're going to be in, he he wasn't talking about, but some of the thoughts really challenged me, and so I just wanted to give honor to whom honor is due there. So, um, but first of all, I wanted to say so. Um, years ago, uh, in fact, I'm thinking of of two, probably three different instances, but there was uh, there was a time where. Uh, there was so much faith that rose up in me to pray for someone that was in a wheelchair. Have you, I don't know if you've ever done that. You don't need to raise your hand, but, but man, to pray for someone that was in a wheelchair. And, and I'm remembering the, the one right now. In fact, there was another one I remember that was in this church, um, and I forget her name right now, but I remember right there in front of me, this man in a wheelchair, and guess what? I knew, I knew that he was gonna rise up and walk. Like, there was that much faith inside me. I'm just like, God. And, and I, I remember praying prayers, like, you know the angry prayers? Where you just, like, your face contorts a little bit, and you're just like, in Jesus' name. Like, you're just, like, you're, like, squeezing out a miracle. Like, it was like, it was like, man, like, like, 
If those prayers touched heaven, I know they touched heaven. The, the devil heard me. God heard me. They heard me. There was enough faith in that room to <laughs> raise the dead. And uh, I mean, I remember the, that. I remember that moment. I mean, it, in some ways, I don't. I know this may different theology. I was ple- I was pleading with God. I know that uh, we can declare and all of this. And and but I was there. Was, I was pleading with God. I was storming heaven. I was taking authority. My faith was through the roof. You know my concern? My concern is that our attitude toward outreach and evangelism is that sometimes we don't have the same attitude as I had when I was praying for that man. Sometimes in our attitude towards evangelism and outreach, we don't have the same attitude in prayer as I did for that man that was sitting in the wheelchair. Like I knew there was nothing I could do there was he's sitting in front of me he hadn't walked in years there was nothing I could do to make that man walk did you know that as much as you believe in my prayers or a pastor I need the pastor to pray for me I can I just tell you there was nothing I could do to make that guy walk it was going to take a miracle and I'll confess it didn't happen right then it didn't happen right then, and I, you know, and to, to this day, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's, if he's healed or not, but man, I knew in that moment. Kathleen, I knew. That was that much faith. I knew. And I'm just challenging us today. Like, when was the last time we just, that dependency, that type of prayer, that type of where you have to get on your face, where you're just like, for the person to know God. It's almost like We've come to this place that we think I could just say a bunch of wise words. Like I can just, like if, if I could just get them, like, if I just, if I preach long enough, right, th- that's my problem. If I could just preach long enough, if I could just like, like know, know the right verses, if I could, if whatever it might be, if I, what. But I knew there was nothing I could do. It's almost like we think that we can kind of help it along. You know, my, um, my friends, Keith and Becca, have a, have a ministry, and some, a lot of you know them. Um, they're sitting in the back over there. They attend our church, and uh, it's the Todd Becker Foundation. And they literally, I, I don't want to overinflate, but they literally probably reach uh, thousands of people. I don't know if it's every year, but at least often. For Jesus. Can I just, without asking him, can I just say, there's never been one time when Keith, as eloquent as he, he waxes eloquently, right? Like, there's never been one time him or his team saved somebody. There's never been one time where the miracle of salvation was his responsibility. And I was wondering, well, what's the difference between them and us? Can I just say the difference? And uh, you, you, we can disagree after church. L- listen. The only difference is they're doing it. The only difference is they talk to more people than you do. That, that, that's, I mean, that's it. There's, there's a miracle of salvation that happens because they're willing to sit down next to a student and share the gospel. The miracle of salvation happens because they're there at the gas station talking to the person. Like it, The only difference is 
their availability and our lack of. But man, that miracle of salvation, it is just that, a miracle. I mean, it should wow us that somebody's following Jesus. I mean, as much as we're like that arm grew back, like that person, they were dead. (laughs) They were dead. No hope. And now they're alive. Isn't Isn't that crazy? Watch this. This is what John, John says. John 6, 63 says, The Spirit gives life. And, and the flesh accounts for how much? Nothing. Man, anytime I've shared the gospel, like my own striving, my own doing, my own, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm a decent communicator. None of that. It's the Spirit that gives life. You know, in the Bible... Uh, it, it often, when, when the Bible's talking about those that don't know Jesus, it uses words like deaf. It uses words like blind. It uses words like, like dead, which would also be deaf and blind. And, I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's that type of, would you agree? Could I, could I just say, Keith, since you're here, would you, like, it's a miracle? It's like raising the dead? Yeah. I agree with me. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says this, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them what? Foolishness. And cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the the Spirit. I mean, it means, man, you may not have gone to Bible college and know all the verses, you, you, you just you need the spirit to show up <laughs> you need the spirit of god to show up in that conversation that you're having at work or with your family member because it's not about your knowledge it's about it's about the spirit like without the spirit man i could get someone to say a prayer do you know that i could get someone to say a prayer i'm going to tell you about it at the end i could i i almost got someone and i stopped and i'm like mm, i i don't think there's life here and i stopped John 6, says this, no one can come to me unless who? What? The Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. Ephesians 2, I'm, I'm probably going fast, just, just uh, I don't know, do something about it. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, but because of his, his great love for us, not even my great love, man, there might be someone special to you in your life and you just want them to be in heaven someday with you. Can I just say, it's his great love, not your great love? Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. We were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So when we're talking about evangelism, do we understand that a miracle must happen? Do we understand America? Now, I'm not discounting our role. As much as God wants to use me to lay hands on the man in the wheelchair, he also wants to use me to share the gospel, to be available, to, to, to lead. I'm just saying, in either case, he's using me, and in either case, the miracle is him. The, it, the pressure's off me. The, my, my pre, the only pressure on me is to be available. The miracle is him. If someone doesn't receive Jesus, that's not my fault. 
It's my fault if I don't share. Are, we with, are you on the same page? I hope you are. Man, because this is really good. If you were told, if I told you that your task tonight was to go to the local cemetery, okay, you with me now? Everyone awake? Your task tonight is to go to the local cemetery, and, um, and that's your calling. And uh, we're not talking about a mass revival. We're just saying just get one. Just get one. We're not even talking about revival. We're just saying get one. Just get one. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? Let's just say it wasn't me asking. Let's say it was God asking. What would you do? Let me go to the local cemetery. Who would you bring with you? Who would you bring with you? Your task is to go to the local, just get one. Your, your task is to go to the local cemetery. And in case you're like not reading between the lines, I'm talking raise the dead. <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking raise the dead. I mean, this isn't like been dead three days. This is like, let's go to, no, let's go to the, let's go to the part of the cemetery where it's the cremation boxes. Okay. <laughs> let's go to that one. <laughs> All right. Because you all want to see it. You all are, are wondering in, 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 when the end times and, and the dead in Christ rise first. You want to be there to watch those particles come together. And you're like, what's that going to look like? Right? like? So we're going to the cremation boxes. Who would you take with you? Would it be a good communicator? What? You're going to go get one at the seminary. Would you take a good communicator with you? Would you take a band with you? Would you take the worship leader with you? <laughs> Gay, you're in media today. Please, please, please. <laughs> but let me think of maybe the person that's closest to Jesus. Maybe the person that I know that has a prayer life. Maybe, maybe the person that knows how to just get on their face because I'm thinking is it, this is the same thing as the guy in the wheelchair like this is only going to happen if God shows up especially the cremation boxes man, man if there was like a, a, an actual, actual bones we might be a, it might be a little bit easier miracle I would I'd gather those with me to go to the cemetery that know him most that's probably what I would do. There, there was a movie. Um, I don't watch. I don't watch them, but I hear about them. There's some uh, people bo- post about them on Facebook and stuff. But there was a movie uh, years years ago. I had. I don't even. I don't even know how long ago. It was probably when I was a teenager, and uh, it was called Weekend at Bernie's. I don't know if anybody ever ever watched that one. I don't even know if I can recommend it because it's been that long. There's probably something bad in it, so don't watch it just in case but uh but a weekend at bernie's and i think they had like sequels and stuff i don't know why but um but weekend at bernie's was it was really interesting because there, there was these i don't even know the premise of the movie other than the fact that bernie was dead and these two guys i think they were i think he was the boss and they were the employees or something and the, and the whole movie was them like holding him up like he's in the middle you know and they put sunglasses on him 
and they put like clothes like I think they went to the beach and he had like he had like a, a Hawaiian shirt and sandals and they propped him up like on a like on a beach chair with like a Mai Tai and I, we don't talk about those they, Diet Coke and uh, I mean they were just that's why he was and they would and they would take him to a party and they would be one on either side of him and they would they would like put his hand up and high five people and I mean it was it was a really weird movie he's dead. Sometimes I wonder if church is like that. Well, we're just propping up dead people. It takes five accountability partners to prop them up. There's really no life. Really no life. You know, this is, I, I just, I want us to understand this. There are people that think they're saved and they're not. And, and, and here's, here's why. Because Someone got him to say a prayer. But it was them making him say a prayer instead of the Spirit of God doing a miracle. And I don't... I'm not going ju- to judge you. I am so glad that someday you're the one standing before him by yourself. And I'm going to stand before God by myself. So we're not going to get into theology and, and decide who's going to heaven and hell right now. But I will say this. If you said a prayer one day to be, to be saved and your life didn't change, I'm worried about your salvation. I'm just worried. I'm concerned for you. I love you that much to say that. If you said a prayer one day and, and said, Jesus, come into my heart, make Lord of my life, all of this type of stuff, and you're still doing, saying the same things around, the, like if nothing changed, I'm concerned that maybe you're not saved. That maybe you think you're going to heaven and you're actually going to hell. And I would want someone to tell me that. I'm like, I would not, I would not want to get before Jesus someday thinking everything was great and find out then oh bummer right and so this isn't to make you feel bad this isn't if if you feel guilt and shame right now that's the devil that's not Jesus but this is one could this be like an eye-opener could this be like oh if my life didn't change maybe you are at the very least in a danger zone you are at the very least in a place where you might be going to heaven and you might not. Those aren't good odds, by the way. And I would suggest if you haven't yourself experienced the miracle to the point that something changes, oh, you might not be going there. And you'd, you, you, you want to find out. You want, we got people here that can help with that. I mean, John says in his Gospels, I write these things so that you would know you have eternal life. If you, it, it, I'm going to tell a couple of stories right at the end. And, and the, the question, the question, the people, I, I ask them if they're going to heaven. And, and when they, if they say, I'm not sure, I hope so, that's not good enough. This isn't, I, sure, I, I hope so, I think so, I've done more good than bad. This is like, no, you know. You know. You can know. You can know. Okay. Um, Yes, good old weekend at Bernie's. Ah, oh, come on, here we go. Hey, hey, today, as I'm halfway through my sermon, main thought, every true salvation is as supernatural and as dramatic as Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Watch this. Every true salvation is as supernatural and, and 
as dramatic as Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. We put the F in there for like effect. Why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Turn, scroll, click. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. This is where we're at in our aftermath series. There's great persecution going on. At one point, we talked about Stephen, who, um, who was martyred for his faith. Right now, that one of the guys, you guys remember in that story, one of the guys that was standing there approving of Stephen's martyrdom was this guy, Saul. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. Can I just say, um, his heart wasn't in the right place. Saul needed Jesus in a desperate way. He was breathing out murderous threats. I also want to just maybe just give some food for thought, some trivia that we just don't always know. First of all, um, sometimes we think that this story is the Saul to Paul story. Can I just say, I just want to admit, I want to confess before you, I've even preached that before. Um, I've heard other people preach, so it's not just me. Can I say that his name didn't change from Saul to Paul? He had two names, Saul and Paul. Saul was his um, Jewish-born name. Paul was his Greek name. He ended up doing a lot of his ministry to Greek Gentiles, Greek-speaking people. So, so at one point in, in the book of Acts, they start calling him Paul instead of Saul. In fact, in one place it says Saul, who is also known as Paul. So just so you know, I know I've, I must have preached heresy one day, but, um, but that's just, it's just good for us to know. So he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He, Saul, went to the high priest. This is again a thing. I, I just kind of forgot about this. Sometimes you read scripture and you just kind of breeze over. I had always just thought he was, on, he was on mission, asked by the religious leaders to, to go and, and arrest people. And I realized here, it was Paul's idea. Paul was a, was, was a bad guy. Now, he thought he was a good guy. But everybody that needs Jesus, they're deceived. In fact, Saul actually thought he was on a mission for God. But it was his idea. He went to the, to the high priest. He asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, followers of Jesus is the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so this is, this is where, where he's at. And then he nears Damascus. Damascus is about 130 miles northeast of Jerusalem. I kinda, I, when I was doing the, um, the, the series where I was talking about Israel and I had gone to Israel, like you just imagine if everyone can see Israel is my body, my, my upper body right here, okay? Uh, Damascus is in Syria. Syria is over here just off of my shoulder and Damascus is right about there, okay? This is where we're, Jerusalem is down here just above my belly button. Okay, that's where we're at. He neared Damascus on his journey. And I just thought about this. God could have, God could have had this dramatic conversion with Saul anywhere along the way. And he chose to wait till almost Damascus. I don't know. I just started thinking, well, maybe, maybe Saul's testimony was that in the place of, of where he was going to persecute, he was also going to be, be saved. And the, the people that he was going to persecute were going to be instrumental in his... Like, I don't know. There was something about waiting all the way till Damascus. 
But in God's wisdom, he got almost to Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And we talk about, like, when we talk about salvations, we're like, man, I want, I want a testimony like Saul. Like a light from heaven swirled and flashed around him. And there were guys with him. And he's just, man, the Bible says in verse 4, he fell to the ground. Here's another little piece of trivia. Do you, anybody like trivia? I do. Do you know... Man, I, I've probably said this before too. There's pictures that are uh, paintings of him. Do you know that Paul, the Bible does not say if Paul was on a horse? A lot of people think, well, he fell off his horse. Uh, it may be, just the Bible didn't say that. So I just want us to be faithful to Scripture. I just thought that that was, it's kind of like the wise men weren't at the manger. Did you know? The, okay, that's a, uh, did I just go off tangent? I think I did. Wise men weren't at the major. He, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Whenever the Bible repeats the word twice, it's for emphasis. In other words, it could just be an exclamation mark. Saul! The blinding light, commanding voice from heaven, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Now, he didn't make Jesus Lord right then. He just realized that whatever's happening is greater than him. And he's down on the ground <laughs> And he's hoping not to die. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I've always wondered what happened to the men traveling with Saul. The Bible doesn't say. But they stood there speechless. Then they held him by the hand and, and took him into Damascus. It says, it says, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I think a lot happened in those three days. I think there were encounters with Jesus. I think the Holy Spirit instructed him. I think, I think what took me years in Bible college took him three days. Like, I, I, it was probably like, again, another movie reference, like, you know, the Matrix where he downloaded stuff to him. I, I don't know, maybe three days of like downloading Bible. He got it. Three days, he's blind. Now you, the camera pans to another scene in, in Damascus. And it says in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And this is, the, this is the first time that we hear about Ananias. And the only other times we hear about Ananias is when this story is being referenced. It, he's a little known character in the Bible. And I want you to know that because it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter uh, what credentials you have, we all can be Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. Can we just notice that too? He knew the voice of the Lord. Like all it really takes for you to be effective in the kingdom and push back darkness and, and advance the kingdom is that you know the voice of the Lord and respond to it. That was probably Ananias' greatest uh, character quality is that he knew the voice of the Lord and responded to it. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, an actual street in Damascus, by the way, and ask for a, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. I have heard many reports about this man 
and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Now, in other words, God really didn't even entertain Ananias' question. Ananias just wanted to make sure, Lord, that you know who this guy is that you're telling me to go to. Just want to make sure. Why? Because this would almost be like a Jew hiding out in Germany and God says, hey, Hitler's over at a house on Straight Street. Why don't you go, he's blind. Why don't you go lay your hands on him? And the Jew says, let's just keep him blind. Similar scenario is Saul. He's, he's, the, he's the murderer. He's the one that's going to arrest him. And Ananias, he's like, really? But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Hey, we're also, all of us in this room, as much as we're Ananias's, we're also Saul's. We're all his chosen instruments. It, it, your salvation was just as much of a miracle as it was his. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul. And I love that. Somehow from the moment he got the word of the Lord to the moment he got to the house on Straight Street, his thoughts about Saul changed and now he was brother. Now he was brother Saul. You're one of us now. I love it. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That'd be a good idea, Saul, after everything you went through. Ananias just simply obeyed. He shows up, places his hands. If you read another place in Scripture later on in Acts, he, uh, um, I mean, he baptizes him in the Holy Spirit. He baptizes him in water. There's no indication. Ananias was a respected man in the Jewish community. There's no indication that he had any official role. And again, can I just tell us, all of us, that, that the Bible in the kingdom isn't built on professionals. It's built on availability. It's built on people that know the voice of the Lord and respond. That's Ananias. That's you and that's me. Um, we're all Saul. As much of a flashy miracle that was when, when Jesus came in a flash of light and, and he was blind for three days and the dramatic conversion. Man, we're all Saul. If, if you, man, again, if, you, if your life hasn't changed, I would at least go before the Lord and just say, what, 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 what's with that? What's with that? If your life hasn't changed, you're not going to necessarily need to have like the flash of light and blindness for three days. That'd be, that'd be helpful. 
we're all Saul. And we're all Ananias. If you know Jesus, you're all, you're all Ananias. You're all Ananias. He wasn't, he wasn't expecting this. He wasn't planning this. He, didn't, like, he wasn't studying for a three-point sermon. He wasn't practicing worship. He wasn't, he wasn't doing any of the upfront stuff. He was just available, and he was just sitting at home, and he heard the voice of the Lord. He recognized the voice, and in the face of fear, in the face of what, what could have been death if he hadn't heard correctly, he just went, and he laid his hands on somebody, and scales fell from the guy's eyes. He baptized Saul in the Holy Spirit and in water. Everybody in here is qualified for that if you know Jesus as your Savior. I want to tell you a couple stories, and then we'll be out. Uh, and here's this, this, this quote. It is the responsibility of all believers to share the message of salvation, but it is the responsibility of God to change hearts and lives. Um, recently, I had the opportunity to... Um, and some, sometimes I, uh, I do a little bit of... A, um, counseling with people that, that don't go to our church and I just I view it as um as kind of like a evangelistic and and just a good opportunity I, I don't do, do a ton of it but I do some of it um it's one of those where it's a little bit it, I have more time with someone than if I were to show up at a gas station right and and have to like share the gospel in 30 seconds like I get to have over a period of time some time with them and and so recently I had two different opportunities with with some people and um it was interesting. The, the two questions that I, that I asked, that, that, that it's, they're not original with me. I've, I've learned them. I've learned them from mentors and, and all of this. Is, is that the first question, we're sitting across. Because you know that, that as, as good of counseling or coaching and all of this that I have, at, at some level, if the Holy Spirit doesn't change someone's life and they're not follow, following Jesus, like, they're just going to go right back. I mean, you, they need Holy Spirit. They need that power. They need uh, the life change of salvation. And so I was just, um, with both cases, uh, both stories, I just said, hey, here's the first question. If you were to die today, do you know that you would go to heaven? And I just, just paused. And there's always like an awkward silence. You don't, you don't fill the space. You just let them sit with that question. In both cases, both stories, it, they finally spoke up and said, I, I'd like to think so. Uh, I really hope so. I'm not, not sure, but like to think so. And just like I told you guys earlier, I said, man, can I just be real? I'm not trying to be rude, but those are horrible odds. I told both of them that. I just said, hey, I'd hate to be you standing before Jesus and just kind of crossing your fingers. I know that's probably a pagan thing but you know hey it worked and uh so we talked about it i shared the gospel in the way that i know how and, and the difference between me and some of you is i know a lot of scripture and so i was able to share a lot of scripture but i just uh, i wanted them to know i wanted them to understand and we were just we were just going through this and the light bulb was going off uh, um, in, at least in the sense that they all nobody had told them this before this was like brand new information. Didn't realize. In fact, the the one the, the one situation they uh, they just thought that they were saved. They thought they were going to heaven. So we get down with that, and in both situations, I had the I decided this. This is now. I'm not saying this is how it has to be every time, but this is what it was for me. In both of these situations, I just said, 
hey, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer right now. I, we're going to meet next week because we we're, we're on a, a schedule. I, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. I'd like you to think about this. Here's a few scriptures. Would you just think about this? Would you just see? Because I don't want you to just say a prayer. I, I, I really, if you're going to, this is a big decision. And the, you know the thing I emphasize with both, both situations? I emphasize the fact that Jesus wants to be Lord. And I asked them, well, what do you think that means? And they, they, they didn't really know. And I said, can I just boil it down? Jesus wants to be in charge. He wants to be in charge of your life. Like everything comes underneath, underneath him in submission to him. Like he may ask you, you don't have to change your life to come to Jesus, but when you come to Jesus, life is going to change. And I said, then he may say, hey, I'd like this and I'd like that and, and, I, and I want this and I want that. And if he's Lord, then you, you do what he says. So the next week, they both came back, uh, uh, two, different, two different situations, and they actually were happening at the, at the, uh, at the same, in the same time frame. And uh, the, one, the one situation, oh, man, uh, uh, again, they come, and I say, hey, did you have a chance to think about what I shared with you? And they did, and, and, I, and I said, hey, I don't want to be pushy, but, man, I, would be, I wouldn't be doing my job if I, didn't just, if I didn't ask and if we didn't have this conversation because I really do care about you. I care about your, your soul. I care about um, life and, and all of this stuff. And I said, what would you, is this the type of thing where you want to respond and make Jesus Lord and, and have me pray with you right now and, and all of this? And, and they, they, both, they just said, um, we're, not, we're not ready. And I said, you know what? Can I just thank you for being honest with me? I'm available for you anytime you want, but I just want you to know, like I was as clear as possible with you. I, I feel like I shared everything I needed to share. And like, uh, now you're responsible for that information. And they understood that and we loved and we continued on in the, in the counseling. The other situation um, said the, all the same things. And I said, so, so what do you think? You want to make Jesus Lord? And you know what that means, right? Lord. He said, yeah. I said, what do, you, what do you want to do about this? He says, well, can we do this right now? And we prayed. And, 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 and he, it, like the, you saw the countenance change, the smiling, the, the light bulb went off, all of this stuff. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was one of, it's one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> right? Like, like all of the other stuff, and all the whatever, and blah, 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 pull out my, all the rest of my hair, and I'm like, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. But you want to know in both situations? It would take a miracle. It would take a miracle. It would take a miracle. It, 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 in both situations, it, it, it's as much of a miracle as if we were raising the dead. Our dependency for evangelism, for salvation, even your salvation, is like, oh God. It would take a miracle. Guess what? We're a church that believes in miracles. Jen, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Thank you, Jonathan. I was thinking about Ananias and how many times we, we want to be in charge 
we want a ministry that has national name recognition. We want to understand um, something that puffs us up. But Ananias, he just stepped into a place because of obedience. And I found myself asking myself, am I content with being Ananias? Am I content with what if my only role is to find my clerk at the bank and I have a chance just to talk to them? What if that's the only person that I ever lead to Christ? But what if he turns out to be the next evangelist? Ananias didn't know that. He didn't know Paul's destiny, but he knew his God and he knew the obedience that he was going to have to walk in in order to release Paul into his destiny. So am I content with being Ananias? Because that's a place of humility where we have to recognize our story may not be told in the history books, but it's going to be recorded in heaven. And in heaven, there's no rock stars. There's only the people who stepped into their destiny and served well for their five minutes. So am I content with being Ananias? What also stood out to me was the miracle that took place as Ananias heard the voice of God, and let's be honest, he was probably shaking in his boots when he left his house. The miracle that took place where he was filled with peace as he had to go and face the one who had the authority to throw his butt in jail and leave him there. But yet along the way, his heart was changed to be filled with compassion. And it's a miracle that took place. Anybody can see when somebody's levitating off the ground and being thrown about a room. I mean, it's not, a, not rocket science to see God might be moving there. But it takes a sensitive spirit to be able to recognize the small changes. And they're just as much a miracle as the big ones. So, Father God, right now, all across this room, I ask that you start stirring our hearts and changing our perspective to be content with being Ananias. So, Father God, that you will lead us to the people that we don't see. We don't see their destiny on them, but you do, because you wrote it before they were ever born. So lead us to those people and help us to be brave like Ananias to lay hands on them so the scales may fall off of their eyes so that they can be propelled into destiny because we don't know who they're going to lead. We don't know who they're going to impact. So, Father God, I ask for that right now to just flow across us, that compassion, that contentment, but most importantly, that obedience to do as we're being called to do. Thank you. In Jesus' name.